0: I grew up playing junior football in the AWFA, dreaming that one day I would play for Australia. It seems dreams really do come true.
1: Thanks Chelsea Blissett for joining us on the Regional Football Hub here today. It's great that you could take some time out of your day to talk about regional football. Um, I guess before we start, how have you been handling isolation and what have you been doing to keep fit?
0: Um, I've been handling it pretty well um, I've had to move back home with mum and dad for a little bit so it's been all right I get to hang out with my family a lot so that's really fun um, I haven't been able to do a lot of like because I'm still just waiting for my knee surgery because I tore my meniscus while playing over with the young Matildas in Thailand last year and then played W League but I played W League with it um, so at the moment I'm Dad, I'm lucky enough that Dad's got a backyard gym, so I've just been doing like gym work and a bit of like hit cardio and on the bike and stuff like that. So that's what I've been doing.
2: Right. When you said you had to move back home, is that injury related or is that situation you're in? What? I'm sure Mum and Dad are happy for you to be back in the house, but what prompted uh, you to do that?
0: Um, one was they wanted me sort of back home during this time, and the second one was because I was living at Latrobe in a. University um, through the club so through Melbourne City I was able to live at La Trobe University and I would have probably been able to stay there during quarantine like some other players have but I had the opportunity to go home and sort of rehab at home before I had to get the surgery because obviously elective surgeries are starting back up again but it's quite slowly so I think we made the decision as a family that I would sort of move back home and spend time with like my family and really like be able to enjoy this time even though it is a hard time but I'm able to sort of you know enjoy my rehab and be back home while doing it.
2: yeah try and enjoy uh, living at yeah. home as much as possible yeah so uh it all started for you in Albu um who is who was your first club that you joined and what can you tell us about the first couple of years you remember playing in Albu rodonga
0: um the first club I played for was St Pats. I played for St Pats for I think 3 3 years. Um my first year I did it just because um a couple of the my older friends that from like primary school and stuff they were playing it so I was like really wanted to play it and um some family friends coached at St Pats. So that's where I initially went and then my first year was just kind of for fun in under 8s and then I did one of the border clinics and I kind of started to sort of pick up a bit more and sort of have a bit more confidence. And then that was like really good for me, like doing that clinic. I think that's where I decided I was like, oh, I actually really like soccer. I'm going to like continue doing it. So in under nines, that's kind of when I had a really big passion for football. That's where it really started. Um. I was really lucky to have my dad as a coach. He's been amazing with me ever. Slack. He was my coach for a really, really long time. He sort of went out of his way to do COVID coaching and get his licences and everything like that because he really you know, wanted to help me out and really wanted to give me the best opportunity. And from that, I then trialed for the under 12 girls rep team as a 10-year-old. And I ended up making it, which was like really, I was like, Doing it for an experience, and then I ended up making the squad, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like that's so crazy!" I was like a ten-year-old, and all these girls I've looked up to when we're playing fourteens and everything like that. So I was like, "Oh my gosh!" But yeah, kind of around there is like how sort of my passion for football started, and how my journey did start. And then I played at St. Pat's for a couple of years, and then I moved to United, where I had a couple of really good seasons there. But then bigger opportunities opened up for me to play senior ladies at Albury City. So then that's where my offer career kind of fit around
2: there. So I know you won a national title with New South Wales Country, despite Matthew Shepherd being your coach. But I'm only joking about that. I just want to see if uh, Matt makes a comment. But obviously it was a, it was a great uh, achievement to win the national titles. What what do you remember from that, from that team, from that experience? I mean, what did it mean to you when, you know, you won a... A national title, also more than just beating Metro. I mean, I'm sure that's a a big priority. You ticked off that was good, but what else did you remember from the experience?
0: I think all my years in New South Wales country was amazing. I've made lifelong friends through there. Um, It was probably one of the best experiences. We actually won my nationals two years in a row. We won 2014 and 2015. So in 2000 14, we had Jen Todd and Andrew Mason as our coach. And that was sort of the first time it was like a surreal experience. It was the first time Country had beaten Metro in so long. And we came in sort of underdogs a lot. You know, everyone just assumes our playing Country is going to be a bit easy. But with that team, we had Jada, Wyman, Eliza Amendolia, Claire Hunt, Joey Cartwright. We had a really really good squad so i think that nationals was definitely a memorable one because that was obviously the first national i'd ever won and being a part of that team was amazing and i loved jen and andrew as a coach and it was really amazing actually to win nationals with andrew because he was the coach that our riverina coach and we'd spend most of our friday nights probably from when i was eleven, twelve to fourteen I spent nearly every Friday night with Andrew.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Training. So I think yeah, that was really memorable. But the nationals in two thousand and fifteen I think was sort of even more important because everyone just ripped us off straight away. We no one thought we're gonna win everyone thought last year was a fluke. And to actually go through the tournament undefeated and to sort of captain that year, I think it was a surreal experience and I sort of, it's one of my fondest football memories being able to win those two titles, especially when Country hadn't won it for so long.
2: Yeah, great. So I mentioned, when I spoke to Matt Shepherd as well, he he said that you were a leader on the field and off the field in in the last year. And obviously, you mentioned you were a captain, but did you see that in yourself at that time? Or was it just, I have the armband and it wasn't something that um, got more out of you as a a player, as a leader? Um, is is that something you saw at the time or is, on reflection is it something you saw in yourself at that point?
0: Um, I never necessarily thought of myself as a leader leader but I always had wanted to, you know, help people and, you know, have everyone in the best mood and really display myself in a professional manner because by around that time that's when I definitely knew that I wanted to be a professional footballer when I had gotten older. So. I think I was just kind of displaying all the attributes that I would want other people to display as well. So I think that's kind of how I ended up being a leader is by just sort of wanting people, not, not wanting people to do what I was doing, but wanting to set an example that just because we're this old doesn't mean that we all can't behave in a professional manner and, you know, still enjoy football and everything like that. But, sort of by the end of that tournament, Matt helped me see that I was a leader on and off the field. And yeah, he was a big part of that.
3: So obviously a lot of qualities coming through that shaped your football career at Chelsea. Was there any other sports or anything you played growing up? And when you were playing your football career, did you grow up playing just with the girls or did you ever play with the boys?
0: Oh, I played with the boys as well. I grew up. In under eights, we actually had no girls comp. So from under eights to under 12s, you had to play with the boys, but from under 12s, you could choose to just play girls or play with the boys. So I ended up playing boys until I left Albury, which was when I was 15. So I played under eight boys all the way up to under 15 boys. And I think that really did help sort of shape me as a footballer because the boys don't care that you're a girl the boys want to prove themselves more because you're a girl and they want to play harder. So that helped me sort of develop, you know, being faster on the ball, being stronger on the ball, you know, not taking anything, sort of, you know, becoming, like, strong mentally as well as physically.
3: Yeah. And did you play any other sports growing up or was it pretty much yeah. you dedicated?
0: I actually did athletics for a long, long time. So I started because my auntie, my auntie Marlowe was a really good athlete. Um, I did athletics from when I was six to when I, was, I think 14, and I did that quite competitively. Like I'd gone to state, and I was training a lot for athletics. But when it kind of push come to shove, and I had to pick one sport, I ended up picking soccer because I think that's just where I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And athletics took a really big backseat when I started making teams and state teams and Everything like that, but I played sort of netball on the side for fun because netball was on a Saturday and soccer was on the Sunday. And I loved to play um, league tag for school and AFL for school. So I played lots of sports growing up. But I think it was just the love of my like the love for soccer that I just sort of pushed all the other sports aside and was like, no, this is what I want to focus on.
2: Did you do those sports to get out of school, or did you do those sports because <laughs> yeah. you were being definitely
0: sport. to get out of school, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: Um, Who were your biggest helpers as a kid growing up in Auburn? I'd
0: probably say my parents, like my mum and my dad, they would always be there to take me from school to soccer and, you know, my dad would always, you know, after school, it was always down to the soccer pitch straight after school. So I definitely think my parents were my biggest helpers, but I also had a couple of really great coaches when I was playing in Alpha. So Karen was my coach when I was at Aubrey United and we are actually still really good friends. Uh, we talk a, like a little bit. She had a really big influence cause she was the first coach I had that wasn't my dad. So as a little kid, you just think like, you know, like you only want your dad to be a coach or you've gotten so used to having your dad as a coach. Like that's the only thing I want to coach you. So having Karen was really good also to have a female perspective as well. You know, have someone else who's not your parents sort of be there guiding you, giving you, tips and advice that maybe your parents hadn't seen all from the outside view what her opinions were so i think karen meredith and my senior ladies coach at um albury city steve steve was just such a fun person to have around he was such a good coach he always knew how to talk to us girls he always knew you know how to get the best out of us and I think those probably four people would have to be the biggest influences I had when I was playing in
2: all Park. Great. So then post the NYC with Fair Country, you went to Sydney with Hills Sports Eye. Yeah. What, was, what was the next part of your journey when you were in Sydney? So you were Hills Sports Eye, played a bit of Marconi and you ended up back in South Melbourne. So what, what happened in that sort of three to four years when you made the big move to, to go to Sydney?
0: So when I was in the start of year 10, I decided to go to Hills. Hills had a really good reputation around the Riverina region, just because Eliza and Mendolia had gone there. So I decided that if I wanted to become a professional footballer, that I was probably going to have to move from home, which is the harsh reality for girls living in the country. Um, but it was something that I was willing to do and I was willing to sort of take that faith. So I ended up staying with the Hurrow's family and um yeah, so I played with Marconi for a season and then after that Marconi had actually gotten relegated back into NPL too. So after that year I actually played for Blacktown Spartans and had a really good coach there named Michael Hawthorne, who coached that Twilight but... He was a really big part of my footballing journey just because I didn't have any family. I didn't have sort of anyone up there in Sydney with me. So he was, he almost acted like a, like a sort of like a guardian figure where, you know, he was not only like really, a really great coach, he also was very supportive and you no know, really understanding of the situation that I was in. Um, but probably when I got to halfway through year 11, I just knew that, Sydney really wasn't working out for me I wasn't really getting what I needed out of my journey in Sydney I felt like I just wasn't I personally wasn't playing my best football and I wasn't my best foot forward when I was coming to becoming a professional footballer and that was probably my first big setback because every team up until that point every team that I trialed for I made every team that you know I had my name put towards I was captain i was you know starting i was sort of the big fish in the little pond and that's probably the simplest way i could put it but as soon as i moved to sydney it was every girl is as good as you every girl wants it every girl works harder so then i wasn't making teams i didn't make ntc i didn't make institute and i think for me that was an eye-opener that i needed to sort of reset and really evaluate what my goals were so that's when I spoke to my parents and we decided that I had an offer the trial at South Melbourne. And I was like, well, I think this will be the best for me. I'll be closer to home. I won't be as stressed the fact that I can't go home that much. Um, and I'm closer to home. I'm around people that I know. And South Melbourne was a great club. And at that time, Lisa Devana was playing. Ella master Antonio was playing. Alex Chiu was playing. So there was a lot of still really big names in so halfway through year 11 I packed all my stuff up and came home for a couple of days trialed at South Melbourne during the school holidays and then by the end of that week I was up in Melbourne um which was probably the best career move I ever did I look back at it now and think that was the best like move I ever made because it really allowed me to sort of reevaluate yeah. what my goals were and sort of think, what do I need to do now to push myself further to get to that level? And yeah, and that's how I ended up at South Melbourne.
2: That was a, that was a brave, strong decision that obviously uh, has worked out really well for you. So and that's a positive it worked out that way and that you can recognise that uh, it wasn't working, but you were in a good position obviously with your parents Then look at what the next move is and, and pleasingly, it's worked out quite well. So that's good. What other challenges did you have in moving when obviously it would have been very difficult without mum and dad who um, would have been really good supporters as you talked about? What other challenges did you have when, when you moved away to both Sydney and to Melbourne?
0: Oh, I think the biggest challenges as well, like, I think moving to Sydney wasn't as much of a challenge as I was moving to Melbourne. I think moving to Sydney the first month was quite hard. You had to make new friends. You had to sort of you know, restart a little bit. But after so that month settled down, I got into my routine and it was great. And I loved it at Hills. Um, But I think when I moved to Melbourne, it got really hard because all these new friends that I made, I uh, obviously they weren't there anymore. I still didn't have my parents. I was still living away from home. I was then doing year 11, sort of going to the back end of year 11 to go into year 12. So then I had like the stress of school. And I think... It was the fact that I had to restart all over again and make new friends and sort of now make a new position in the team, trying to earn the girls' respect and sort of prove myself. And I think that was really tough. I think that was tough on me because I'm a bit of an overachiever. So the fact that I felt like I didn't have that much time to study or my grades was what I wanted them to be and stuff, I kind of started to feel very overwhelmed. So I think that was probably my biggest challenge and that's probably the biggest challenge I had when I was moving back home. But uh, like like when I was in Sydney I ended up making great friends, having really good support. South Melbourne came like my family, so I had the support of the whole club behind me. So in the end everything works out. But I think it's just getting to that point that can get a bit stressful and overwhelming.
3: So obviously only at twenty and you've obviously made so many sacrifices and lived in two big smoke cities. And you said that obviously a city didn't quite work out, but it really did open your eyes and set everything up. Is there anything in the short um career that you've had sort of so far that, that you would change?
0: Um, I don't think that I would change anything because I think that if I was to change something, then I probably wouldn't have ended up to where I was, because if I didn't move From Sydney to Melbourne I wouldn't have played for South Melbourne and then I wouldn't have gotten picked up for Melbourne City so I think at the time there's probably things where you think oh should I have done that like oh like I'm not too sure should have worked harder here should have worked harder there but sometimes the setbacks that you think are things that you wish didn't happen actually lead you to something bigger and better so and all my decisions that I made and all I when I look back on the past, I really don't think that I would change anything because it wouldn't have made me the person who I am and it wouldn't have allowed me to become sort of a professional footballer and live out a dream I've had since I was a little girl.
1: Yeah. I guess looking at now you're at Melbourne City and obviously you just won the league, what was that like?
0: Oh, that was the well, was probably one of the best experiences. I think growing up, sort of seeing how dominant Melbourne City were, I don't think you ever would think that you'd be able to play for a club like that just because of the reputation that they have and the players that they're known to have and everything like that. So being around that environment is just amazing in itself. But then being winning the league was – it's crazy. Like, not even – there's people older than me that have been playing W League for five to ten years that haven't even won the league. So – I think to be a part of a team that made history, especially the fact that we had lost a game and we'd only conceded so many goals. And I think it was a, it was just an experience that kind of words can't describe. It's like you, the fact that you were able to live that and you're able to sort of do that with people that you now consider your friends, which people that you grew up idolising and now you talk to them every day. I think, yeah, it was just an amazing experience.
3: Obviously, with City number four, is there any any reason to the number that you wear?
0: Um, not really, because I have a I had a very big superstition with the number three, and then I remember one year at New South Wales Country, I think the first year I got number three, but the second year I got number four. So I had really big superstitions around then. But sort of when we when I played with number four, we won um, the national titles that year so i think number four definitely kind of became a lucky number but i didn't really have a lot of choices in number i only had 10 12 and 4 to pick from and out of those three number four was kind of the number that stuck out the most to me so yeah oh, i
2: <laughs> wouldn't have 10 10 was it
0: yeah i don't i think i would have lost that number this year so i'm glad i stuck with four
3: True. Is there, speaking of superstitions, obviously some people put a right sock on first, et cetera. Is there any other any other superstitions you have before game day or before training or anything?
0: I always have to have an acai bowl on game day. I have this one place I always go to get an acai bowl for my breakfast. And I always have to play with a headband, a braid and a ribbon or a scrunchie. It's, my mum used to braid my hair all the time when I was younger and make it all looking all nice and pretty and stuff like that. And when I moved away from home, all I could think of was like, yes, I don't have my mum dragging me up an extra 20 minutes to get up and braid my hair, which I absolutely hated. But then when I didn't have her there to braid my hair, I was like, oh, I can only put my hair in a pigtail. And now it (laughs) looks ugly. And now my hair's all in my face and it's distracting me while I play. So then I taught myself how to braid. So then I could do it by myself and since I was younger, I always played with the headband and with the ribbon. So I kind of just haven't been able to steer away from that. So that's probably the only real superstition that I have when it comes to game day.
2: Yep. Is there, is there a point in your, I mean, you achieved a lot already in short space and time in your career. Is there a point where you feel like you've made it or are you not quite there yet? Is it the um, First time you signed um, at Melbourne City, or before that? Was it, is there it something that stands out
0: at this point? Um, I definitely wouldn't say that I've made it. I think when I end my career, I will say look back and think, "Wow, I made it then," and can look back at all my achievements. But I think you don't really make it until your career's over. and you're See how much that you've done, I think. Or as an athlete, you can sign your first contract, but it can be taken away from you just like that. So I think people come get confused when you know you sign your first professional contract and they go, "Oh, you've made it! You've made it!" You go, "Well, not not really." When I've signed for five, six seasons and have won this many leagues or been able to represent my country, I think that's when you can say I've made it. But until then, I think you know, it's got to keep working hard and to be disciplined and sort of not let it go to your head because when you let it go to your head, that's when you feel like you don't have to work as hard anymore for what you've earned.
3: Good so I suppose a lot of I was going to say, a lot of um, kids growing up would say they, they wanted to get to the W League and they think, you know, they've made it then you seem like someone that every every sort of milestone you tick off you you have a new milestone set that you want to set yourself to get to the, the highest level possible.
0: Yeah, I think I have set, always have set goals for myself. So my goals for when I was younger was to play W League, play for the young Matildas and being able to tick those off in the space of a year was the craziest thing ever. I just remember saying to myself, the one memory that has always stuck into my brain is when I was, I rocked up to South Melbourne pre-season and I officially had become a senior contracted player there, which for me was an achievement because I'd played I'm under 19s the year before that. And my coach, Sock had come up to me and said, by the end of the year, you'll play WLE. And at that time, I had no w League prospects. So I wasn't in the radar for the young Matildas. And I turned around looked at him. I was doing year 12. I'd just gone, went to a new school. And I said, turned around and said, you're joking. I had to message him and say, I'm sorry, you're right. Because it did end up happening by the end of the year. So I think little milestones like that for me is considered such a big thing. But I think once your milestone is there, celebrate it, enjoy it, embrace it. But you can always go further. You can always do more.
2: Great. What What's the best players you've played with and which players have had the most influence on on how you see the game or how you self, see self playing? Who's influenced the most and who's been the best you played with?
0: Um... When I was playing at South Melbourne, it probably would have to be Lisa devanna um Ella Master Antonio, and oh, I probably could go on with that whole team, but um definitely Lisa and Ella, I think the way that they play is amazing, and Lisa had definitely helped me a lot. She did take me under her wing um we did a couple of like one on one trainings together, she gave me lots of advice, she'd always be pushing me on the field. She definitely wouldn't hesitate to yell at me if I stuffed up. So she definitely gave me a hard skin. But also, like, the, Lisa had a lot of faith in me as a young player. So I think that was very influential. And seeing how hard she works and the time and dedication that she puts in definitely inspired me to do the same. Because she's one of the most decorated players in Australian football. So, like, she was probably one of the best influences to have to show me what I needed to do to become a W League player. Um, and then when I got into W League, I think my whole W League squad would have to be very influential, um, especially playing in the back line with the likes of Seth Catley, Rebecca Stott um, and Lou. I think just the fact that they're such big names, but they're just willing to, you know, you have a question, they'll answer it. You have. You know, you might stuff up. They'll actually come over to you and approach you and tell you what you've done wrong and what you can do better and how you can position your body better and stuff. I think they're just such influential people and they're such people that can give you advice and they've been there and they've done that as a young player that you just sort of open your eyes and, like, listen and really observe all the information. So they'll probably have to be the most influential players that I've played with. Great.
2: I saw a video you did in Aubrey-Rodonga at the beginning of last year, trying to encourage players to play football. How was that experience for you? That now becoming a role model for young players, especially to, to want to play, you know, our great game of football.
0: I've never really thought of myself as a role model. I think I just think of myself like I'm, I little old me. But I think after the fact that now social media is such a big influence. And you know, seeing a lot of young girls around here. And it also is like, I kind of know a couple of the younger girls because my cousin Alicia plays soccer and she's in the 12 girls rep team. So I kind of know a couple of them and would like went and talk to them and sort of helped my dad coach his under 12 girls and sort of seeing the way that they like idolized me in a way was quite a crazy experience, but it's also something that I take I'm with a very heavy heart because I know when I was younger, I didn't really have a lot of role models from around here. that could say, "Wow, she made it, I can make it. So I think, you know, I take it very seriously. And I think it's such a wonderful thing to be able to show young girls that just, you put in the hard work and you can reap the rewards.
3: Right. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously speaking still about back in Aubrey and the pathways that are available now and, you know, look at Murray United and within Wagga, the Wagga City Wanderers, and you know, um, all the MPL clubs that are now available. Do you think this is giving regional players more of an opportunity to be able to play at a higher level and um, potentially be scouted or, or develop their skills to go on to play at a higher level?
0: Definitely. I think when I was growing up, we didn't have any MPL teams, we didn't have any sort of other pathways that were really, really well known, whereas now. Girls can go play at Murray United. Girls can go play at um, Woggle Wanderers. Then girls can also use the original pathway that we had of Riverina into New South Wales country then to sort of be identified that way. So I think, yeah, it's definitely a great path that young girls and even boys now have to be identified, especially when the likes of like Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City have been able to sort of watch games because of obviously their youth academies and their... um. Sort of their under 18s and the under 20s coming to Albury to obviously watch the games and play against them. I think it's an amazing opportunity for young players in general from the region to sort of develop their skills and see that, oh, there is more, there is more I can do to sort of get to that next level. And the fact that Victoria posted clinics here to sort of see if they can identify talent is amazing to hear as well. Yep.
1: You mentioned coaching with your dad, the under 12s girls side. What advice would you give to young regional players who are looking to take that next step?
0: I think just my advice would be to develop the basics really, really well is to sort of, you know, get their touch, get as many touches in as possible, work as hard as possible because nothing comes easy. You're going to have to face setbacks. But I think if you have the mentality to, train hard, train well. I think that anything is possible for anyone.
2: Seen lots of campaigning about the Women's World Cup coming to Australia. If it was successful, what do you think it would do to the women's football game overall?
0: I think it would definitely boost it a lot here. I think it would be amazing to have a World Cup on home soil, especially considering how much the Matildas are growing. I think it would just bring more attraction game and I think it would amplify the game a lot around Australia and I reckon it would be just an amazing experience for everyone that would be involved with it.
2: Great. What's your next targets? I mean obviously the first one will be to uh, finish rehab and get fit again. What's what's next for Chelsea and the targets that you've set for yourself?
0: Um, my targets I've set for myself. I really would like to be more of a starting player at Melbourne City. I think that's one of my targets is just to get fit again, become a starting player and hopefully have a good couple of seasons in W League and really keep improving and then hopefully make my way into the Matilda squad and or even going overseas is another goal that I would really love um to come true as well. I've always wanted to play in Europe or somewhere in America, somewhere else overseas. So those are my next couple of goals that I'm really hoping to achieve in the next couple of years.
1: Well, we've got one common question that we ask everyone who comes on. It's um, Messi versus Ronaldo. Which side do you fall onto?
0: Oh, I actually have this argument all the time at my house. Um, we're, a big, we're a big footballing house. But the conclusion that we always come to is they're both amazing players, but they're both amazing in their own right. So I think, and especially because they don't play the same position, I don't think you can really compare them because they're two different players. So I like to stay neutral.
3: <laughs> and if you had to throw a butt in there and choose one, who's it, who's it going to be?
0: Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I wish I didn't ask that. All right. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming on.
1: It was no great problem. for everyone. Thank uh, you, Both me. Players and coaches can take so much out of it. So thank you.
0: No, thank you guys.
1: Thanks,
3: Chelsea. Thanks, Chelsea.